What's good, y'all? I'm Amani, and this is What the Fuck Are You Talking About? None of y'all worked on Labor Day. I know a lot of jobs love to give out, um, you know, that uh, time and a half or whatever. Fuck that. Fuck it. Don't work the day. Dumb niggas, time and a half. Fuck out of here. A lot of y'all niggas working from home anyway. But I hope y'all had a good weekend. I had a pretty decent weekend. My daughter wasn't around, so, you know, I miss my kid. But I had a pretty good weekend. I, I was around some really great people. Uh, I don't know how y'all celebrate Labor Day, wherever you're from, but I know I'm in Florida now, and I know my last three Labor Days have not been like any other Labor Day I've ever had in my life. Growing up, Labor Day weekend was party, loud soca and reggae and all types of island-ass music and island food, island people. Growing up in New York City, Labor Day was, you was about to see ass shaking, if you, especially if you were from Brooklyn, you was about to see ass shaking all up and down your block in the smallest shorts you could find. Or they would put on the biggest, most extravagant, beautiful costumes, but it had the cheeks out. You know the cheeks was out. And they was about to shake buns and get paint all in their hair, powder, all types of shit on, on the parkway. So, back when I was like eight years old, my grandmother, yes, my grandmother, my, however old she was back then, would take me to something they called Juve, where in New York, it would be literally a party from maybe 1 a.m. all the way until maybe 4 o'clock the next day because you would do one small parade, and then it would, that would pretty much lead you into the main parade that we had on Labor Day. Like... This shit had nothing to do with the meaning of what I assume the meaning of Labor Day is. I assume Labor Day is take the day off people who work and, you know, just chill. You know, relax. There was There's no fucking chill in New York City Labor Day at all. You're going to palance and walk and, and dance and stand up for at least eight hours that day. If you was committed. But back in the day, my grandma took me and every year there would be an issue, a stabbing, a shooting. It was, I literally associated Labor Day with, well, let's see how many people get hurt this year. And if you heard no stories, or if you heard a story that didn't involve like a gun or someone dying, yeah, it was a good year. You're getting, getting beat up, it's whatever. But like, <laughs> I'm gonna get to the fun part in a, in a little bit. But back, that was when like people used to use that day to catch people lacking, like your ops is doing whatever, dancing and shit, that's when you come in, Get the drop on them, all types of shit like that. But it was it. It seems like a it said it seemed like a fun idea to party all night, get people liquored up, drunk in the middle of the night, girls shaking at yeah. It seems like a good idea. It never was a good idea. I remember one specific night. I don't even know what year this was. I had a Trinidadian bandana on my head. For those who don't know, I'm Panamanian, Trinidadian, and a few other things. But I had a Trinidadian bandana on my head, a Trinidadian shirt on, and a Trinidadian flag. You could not, there's no guessing where I was from. 
So me and my grandmother walked. It, it wasn't even like a short walk at that. It was literally at least walking maybe 35 blocks. All right, I might be exaggerating, but I can't remember now. But it was a, it was a wild walk just at 12 a.m. to go party with me being like nine years old with my grandmother. And we would go, and one night I had all my, I had my whole giddy-up on. And what the hell happened to my voice just now? That was crazy. I, like, took a swallow and, like, it sounded like it was two of me. Sorry. So I had my little giddy up on. I felt real good. And, we you know, we palancing down the street. They playing all the good shit. Every different block you walk on is a different uh, island. You know, different people from different islands. So they playing their music. We get there. The first thing I see is a girl holding her eye. And the guy who must have hit her in that eye walking behind her asking him if she, he, if she was all right because he was sorry. And the friend was like, why'd you do it? Why'd you hit her? That was not a good scene. Domestic violence, this, is, this was not the time for domestic violence. He was trying to have a good time. So that's the first thing I saw that night. Then we chilling on, I don't know if any, anybody who listens is familiar with New York, Empire Boulevard. If you're old enough, that's where the, this Empire Skating Rink was. So we chilling there, and all of a sudden you hear gunshots. I, my grandmother can't run. I don't know which way we came from. We didn't even duck down. We just stood there. With like a fuck it. Whatever happens. Like my grandmother bought me to this dangerous ass night party. The women are as beautiful as the outfits they wear. As good as the music is. Me in in like just crowds of people who you don't. It's not like y'all all there to like. It's not like a concert. You go to a concert. Everybody we gonna sing the song. It's just what is everyone here for? Everyone seems to be here for a different reason. Because there's always 50 million different things going on. You ready? They throw paint. So you got to wear your bummy clothes, but you still got to sort of look all right. They throw powder. They throw water. All types of shit. It's just, I mean, if y'all, ever, if y'all look up a video of it online, on YouTube maybe, New York City Labor Day Parade, it looks like a vibe. But if you know what it is, sometimes you, you, you it'll get the best of you trying to be too aware. I sure as hell ain't go to work on Labor Day. I was chilling with my homies. I, I I couldn't do it. I hope I hope we all get in that idea of don't give your workplace more of you than they'd give themselves to. I hope that shit makes sense. Don't give them more than you're willing to fucking give because you for damn sure they ain't giving it back to you. So just start looking out for yourself. And this weekend was some sad ass news on Labor Day. We got the news that Michael K. Williams passed away. If a lot, I don't know if y'all know who Michael K. Williams is, but he played Omar in The Wire, which to me is top three TV, one of the top three TV shows I've ever watched in my life. He was in, uh, I, is it not? It's not Peaky Blinders. Uh, Empire, Boardwalk Empire. He was in uh, Lovecraft Crunch, Love Lovecraft Country. He was in he was in so many other things, but they they always made him out to be a gangster or just, you know just certain so he made he had made a video that's going around on Twitter now a, a not even a video like a, a a short film about him being typecast with all the different characters that he plays and it was really good so if you could find it, go look it up and you'd get a good sense of 
who he was and the type of per- person that they wanted him to portray. But the the thing is, is he was really good at portraying just a regular old wise man. But I'm pretty sure it's in him, of course. But there's something about him that his acting was really, it seemed like he was just being himself no matter who he was playing. And there were always different versions of the same. I, I might, I might be, I'm losing myself here. But all in all, he was just a really great actor. And he just seemed like a really down-to-earth guy. And I don't think anyone had any bad things to say about him. And, you know, it's just really sad is that this is the second person this weekend to pass away due to drug, you know, drug-induced, I guess, overdoses? I'm not sure. Michael K. Williams, uh, his information hasn't been given out, but there was another, if I can find his name right now, I'll come back and say it, but he was three people who passed away altogether by a drug overdose because it was laced with fentanyl. And that's just been something that's been happening to so many people. They just, they get the, they get into these habits however they get them, and it's hooked. They're hooked on it, and now you, you pretty much almost take whatever you get. Like when, you, when you're addicted to certain things, it's like a, you chasing a dragon, and you, you, you lack the better judgment that you normally would have. And, you know, so that's just everybody. You taking drugs? I mean, if you got the money to take certain drugs, maybe get it tested. Those, those things exist. Test the drugs you're taking. If it's not like weed or whatever. Anything after weed, I don't know. Cocaine is even is too much for me. I, I, need, I, I would take drugs to bring me down. Not to push me anywhere. But yeah. You know, it's just sad that we're losing a lot of our great people. And not even not even to COVID necessarily. After a year that we lose people, bil- millions of people for, you know, this disease that's going around, the next year it's like people are dying for different reasons. It's like, I mean, you can, you know, blame and death on, you know, it's, it's no real use for that. But it's just like, damn, like, there's nothing we could do. We just have to sit and bear it. Like, it, I don't want to become numb to, like, people passing, but it seems that shit is, it could happen. That you just see and go, oh, well. And then the headlines. They, I'm, I, I got to the point where anytime I see a headline, like, on, I guess, Shave Room, Ball Alert, TMZ, anytime I see a photo in words, I my mind automatically, I hope this person ain't die. Yeah, it gets it gets sad like that. But you know, that's why I, I I've been trying to keep myself in better spirits. You know, a lot of stuff going on in in life and I've been looking for ways to keep my mind occupied so I don't think about certain things and overthink and just, you know. So one small thing I've been doing before I get into the other thing that I've been doing is I've been journaling. I don't know if y'all niggas journal, but Get a pen, paper, or use your phone and write that shit out. If you feel sad about something, write. Why are you feeling sad? I mean, we don't. We I would say do therapy. We all don't have the money for therapy, and a lot of people don't want to go through the hassle of finding a therapist and how to find you know all those things, which even though you should still do, but until then, 
maybe try journaling. Or, you know what might even work? Record yourself. Hence what the fuck I'm doing now, you know? But just try it. Write down those thoughts. Maybe maybe you write down something you didn't even think, you know, was in there. Just try it. But the other thing I do is listen to music. And 2021 has turned out to be a great fucking year for music. If this is reminding me of 2015, and it can only get rounded up at 2015. I think 2015 was Drake, Cole, and Kendrick, and so many other. You go look it up. I don't, you know. But this year we got Cole put out an amazing body of work. If you ain't listen to that, then you tripping. I still listen to um I95 because he snapped on that. Tyler put out, which probably to me still is a better body of work front to back, more cohesive, more more creative and time planned. Like he put more time into it for me. And Kanye and Drake. Now before I dive into I'm gonna do it in the order. I'm gonna do Donda first. I'm gonna start by saying that Kanye West is a fucking genius. And for more than one reason. Not just for well aside from all the other shit he does, but he's he I don't maybe I'm I don't know if I'm giving him too much credit. Maybe this was a collective idea. But to say, I'm, I'm, I'm yay. They, if I go stand somewhere, they're going to come and watch me just in case I say anything crazy. Even if they're not here to see something crazy, if I tell them I'm playing music that they want to hear that no one's heard yet, they're going to come. And he played music that wasn't leaked. I'll get back to that. And people came back three times. And also... He added verses three times. He had different people standing. So it was like you got a different experience. And I know people talking about the rituals and all that shit. I mean, whatever you want to call it, I got the message. You started out the first show in all red, maybe simulating hell by yourself. The second show was you in what some call purgatory, you know, working out, reading the books on the phone, taking calls, sleeping, whatever, in your, in your outfit, your little black outfit. Then you set yourself on fire and ended up at the house you grew up at. Oh, sorry, at the second show, he ascended into the sky, into the heavens, and then ended up at the house that he grew up in after being set on fire. I mean, to me, that show, I, I took from that, you were in a very bad place, took the time to yourself, was able to ascend or find, in his case, find God, burn your, set, like, shed the old you, the old version, the old version, the thinking, all these Negative, whatever whatever you wanted to shed, it's gone. And now you're back to your grassroots, your basics, where you learned everything that made you who you are today. And then they named the album after your mother. Who helped sculpt you to be whoever you needed to be today. That shit made sense to me. A lot of people act like it didn't make no goddamn sense. It made plenty of damn sense. So listening to Donda for me, hearing it, was exactly what I expected from Kanye West. And he did not let me down. It was musical. It sounded like he sat and thought, finally sat and thought with other great minds to make this music. Yes, there's parts that did seem rushed. Some of these verses seem like they made them the night before. And then they just made the album. Even though he did have a little gripe about them putting the album out, but them motherfuckers were probably waiting for you to put this shit out. They was probably tired of you. And they knew Drake was dropping this week, that the week after. So it was like, after you drop it now, we're not playing this game with you. Or it all could have been calculated. 
who knows dropping Drake's address and shit like but also everyone knows where the fuck Drake lives so even them saying oh he dropped his ad he dropped yeah nigga you live in a fucking mansion big a big black mansion at that in Toronto everyone knows where you live whatever but on that album there's a lot of music that I mean there's a lot of music that doesn't seem to be played where it needs to be. He recorded this shit and then played it in an arena. Of course, we all can't go listen in an arena. We don't have the bigs. We don't got those big-ass speakers. We got our headphones and shit, whatever. But this music was made specifically for a vibe. And I appreciate, like, so, like, like No Child Left Behind. He probably didn't have words for that song, really. But it was just such a good concept in his head that he wanted it out. And then, you know, have it be used for whatever was used. The melody's good. Vori sounds amazing on it. And I appreciate it, even though it's maybe a good 45 seconds of words and the other two minutes is music. But that was fine with me. I understand the type of shit he's trying to do. Maybe also I might just be a Kanye West apologist and I just agree with almost everything he does and I don't let that man do no wrong in my eyes until he started doing the, the red hat shit type shit. But I've let that go. I'm biased. I apologize for being biased, but it is what it is. Off the Grid is my favorite song of that album next to Lord, I Need You. And to me, Fabio had the best verse. Him and the baby had the best, best verse on the album. Although Kanye sounds great on drill music, Fabio showed rapping chops on that out al- on that on that song. And that's from someone who wasn't necessarily great months ago. Like, usually we watch a progression happen over a longer period of time, but these niggas is getting money, and they're starting to hang out with real niggas, like real rap niggas. So there's no way you're going bullshit around these real rap niggas. You're really, you're going to have to step it up. I remember Thug said it. I believe it was Young Thug who said it. He was like, I started hanging around with it, like Jay-Z was around, like, I don't know necessarily hanging with him, but like, look who I'm in the room with. This I can't not progress. I'm gonna have to progress. If I wanna make it in music, if I wanna stick around, if I want these people to respect me in the music I make, and I want certain calls from certain people, I have to continuously be- get better. Because if I don't, they're not gonna call. And that's just what I appreciate for someone like Fabio. Because, I mean, out of Brooklyn right now, in this drill scene, the only people that I could see taking off and being something different than what they started as with Drill getting so big is Fabio, maybe Chef G. But Fabio just has that. Chef G is more of a a rapper, lyricist. I might be giving him too much credence on that, but he will rap on other beats. Fabio has only, they even changed the beat in most songs that Fabio was on to be fucking Drill beats. But I just appreciate that he's, after Pop is gone, it's him. And now he he probably realizes that. Maybe he doesn't think about it that way, but it's like, who else is going to carry this Brooklyn torch right now? Young and May ain't doing it. She trying, but she don't think she cared too much. So for him to progress and do and just show like he wants to do more, and I appreciate it. I just appreciate that notice because I've seen it happen. I've seen Wayne do it. I used to say Wayne was trash. I did not like J. Cole in the very beginning. But, you know, I just appreciate people who will take the time and you know this is the shit they want to do and they want to be known for it forever and a week later certified lover boy drops 
And I will say my first listen through, I had to give it several listen th- listen throughs because I knew I wasn't going to be able to appreciate it until I gave it some listen throughs. And this is safe Drake, but I appreciate safe Drake. I appreciate the fact that you know what's what works for you and what you do really fucking well better than so many other people and then you stick to it and then you deliver just as well. I don't I don't know I don't want to even put it on a scale yet. I feel like I still need more time with this album. But it didn't live up to what I thought it could be. There's moments on it where he's rapping, rapping. He's like saying shit that he's been waiting to get off his chest. But I do understand that this album wasn't supposed to drop now. It's been nine months. So you can't just, you know, be one of the biggest artists and wherever you got that inspiration from and just, you know, switch up again. And may make a whole new album. I mean, he could, but, you know, this is something he worked on for a while. And I'll tell you one thing. Don't be feeling away and listen to certain Drake songs. There's a few on this album that get me. The That song, Live by the Bible, I think, or In the Bible, with Dirk and Giveon. No, no, no. Don't, don't listen to that in the middle of the night driving. You're going to be tight. It'll get a little tight. But that's my shit. That's my favorite song on the album. Then, of course, the song with Jay when he's in there getting... Man, this nigga, this nigga Drake can rap. Like, it's... it's. We all know this. He's, he's reached that God-level tier of rap. To me, he's not better than Jay. I don't know if he'll ever be better than Jay, but he's at a God-level tier of rapping. And I encourage y'all, whoever said y'all didn't really feel this album, to... Just give it more time. Play it front to back. Maybe you probably could skip, like, you know, skip whatever you want. Like, way too sexy. Certain songs you could just skip because you could just tell they put that out for a moment. Or maybe they recorded it in a moment and they were just like, fuck, we still going to put it on. But listen to some of these songs and just and just vibe out. And you, you'll get the whole fucking spiel he was trying to do, you know, cutting the heart in his, you know, whatever. But this nigga's just a ladies' man. It's funny how Drake and Kanye are going through shit with women completely differently. But they're also two different people, but still. And anytime I see Drake getting in his toxic bag, it's like, nigga, I don't want to use your I don't want to use all of this shit as captions. I be I want to, but I'm not gonna. That shit corny to me, but they do work. There's so many lines that I just say to myself, like, I should put this up. But I'm not. I just repeat it to myself. Like, all right, into the fucking universe. That's that's what I wanted other people to hear. Maybe they'll hear it somehow. Um, The only other person I'm waiting on is Kendrick. I'm really waiting on Kendrick because I know how he's going to deliver. I know what he's going to do. He's watching these niggas pull up show out, do big numbers. And with, even with him leaving TDE, it's like, I know he's about to do something crazy. I know he's about to, I'm, I'm not going to give it too much and say, you know, change the game or anything, but I just know it's been too long. And then hearing him on that song with Baby Keem, he's he's going to kill it. I feel like he's going to have, I feel like he should take shots at these niggas. You've been quiet for too long. And if there's any type of quiet beef, fuck it. 2021, any type of shit could have happened. Just start saying names. You on the song with Baby Keem, if y'all listen to it, 
smoking on top five. Who are you talking about? You in the top five. So who are the other four you talking about? Just say it. You did it on control. Or you're going to do what you did on control and talk about them, but then don't talk about them. And maybe with him being off TDE, he can finally jump into that bag. But who knows? I just like, I just, Cole, I mean, Kendrick is one of those artists that you don't know what to expect but greatness. You you know he's on a track. You know you're going to hear a, a phenomenal fucking verse from him. He's giving me Andre 3000 vibes. No, they're not the same type of rapper, but he's giving, oh, your song is about this? Nice. I'm going to give you a completely different idea of the same shit you're saying right now. Andre will get on your song and you could be talking about the love of your life. And he'll get on there and talk about and he'll make a whole verse about the most obscure moment in you loving the love of your life. I love that shit. And fucking Drake released that Donda, the song that didn't make it on Donda with Andre 3000 rapping about his mom and Kanye losing his mom and making that connection and, you know, just, and then Kanye going and making a Drake diss on it. And that's why the song didn't make the album because I guess it didn't fit because I guess Kanye didn't want to directly diss Drake if he wasn't going to be dissed on Drake's album, which to me is like, Kanye, you too big for this shit. Like, y'all niggas need to, like, say each other's names or just squash the shit and make fucking music, bro. I love both of y'all. I, w- I would love to hear Kanye and Drake in this in this era of music, especially with Kanye going through a divorce and Drake going through whatever he's going through that made him make Certified Lover Boy where he's talking about all this fucking just revealing old past shit about Rihanna. Go go search the album for that verse about Rihanna because there's a few bars in there that you just know he's talking about fucking Rihanna. But, yeah, I mean, this is shaping up to be a great year for music. Uh, about everything else, I don't know. I ain't going to get into that. Just live your life, and and if you love music, just look for this new music that's coming out because it's shaping up to be real fucking good and reminiscent of, the, reminiscent of 2015. So... And I've just been really deep into listening to music because ain't shit on TV. I've really been trying to watch TV. Picking up, you know, what's this? Oh, clickbait. Let me see. It wasn't mid, but like, ain't nothing for me to remember. Even my favorite Marvel shit is just not hitting right now. Music is what's getting me through. Every, 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 every podcast I do, I really like to sit and tell y'all about, you know, checking on your strong friends and all that shit. I always bring it back to this because it's something that I wish other people would do. And just mention, you know, not necessarily all your feelings, but, you know, just the shit is all right. And as bad as you feel now or whatever the case is going on, maybe work or, you know, shit can only go up. And even if it gets lower, the lowest you think it is, you need to switch that mindset that that shit going to go up. Put on your favorite fucking song. Look for new music. Do that. New music. That's, you ever, there's no greater feeling than randomly picking songs and then they end up being fucking great. Like, think about that. Think about the last time you was listening or looking for new music 
and then heard some shit. Maybe you didn't even have your phone on. Maybe she was on shuffle, and you hear some fire. That's how I, I think that's how I found. I mean, the song somebody that I used to know was really big, but like you know, like you'll be in a car, you hear on Z100, you don't want to fucking hear what's on Z100. I'm looking for Hot 97, but I clicked and I heard. I was like, all right, okay, a little harp, whatever that is. And then he just, and then there's these voices getting their bag. I don't know if y'all ever been on TikTok and seen them singing that shit a cappella. Fire. That's a great song that I, I jumped up on accidentally. Or back in the day when I ran, a, ran into MGMT. That song is pure fire. Go look up, up MGMT. Even Jim Jones. Jim Jones did a freestyle to that M- that one MGMT song. I can't think of the name right now. Hold on, let me look up the name. Electric Feel. Electric Feel is so fire. I'm up, I'm up, fuck it. Here you go, Pete. just the beginning of the song even frank ocean on nostalgia ultra sampled that song i've never the other fucking day i met some girl who said what's nostalgia ultra immediately after telling me that frank ocean was her favorite fucking artist i'm old bro i'm old but she's had an iphone in her hand since birth she had to Cause you couldn't just get Nostalgia Ultra on anything. You, had, I think, I think I had got it off Dat Piff. If niggas even know what that is anymore, the shit I used to do for music, bro, I'll never forget when me and my homeboys used to. I remember I, one specific night, me, and my boy Gavin, and Trey went. We made a night out of this shit. We all went to the beauty supply store. Went, walked all the way down Pennsylvania Avenue to the beauty supply store. Got wave grease. A do-rag and a new brush. I don't know why, but that was the type of shit I like to do with my niggas back in the day. You know, better myself. Then on our way back, got Burger King. Then went to Gavin's house, and his mom's worked at the hospital, so she was gone during the night. We knew that the Drought 3 had just dropped. So we literally came back with our food, wa- you know, washed our hands, ate food, and then we all just, like, started doing shit with our hair, brushing our hair, Putting a do rag on, making sure our waves is getting high. You know, it was the weirdest shit. But we made, we did all that while listening to the Drought Three. We downloaded it and just sat there and vibed, and was skipping like we weren't skipping anything. There's no skips on any of Wayne mixtapes. But literally, we would look at each other and be like, "Oh, nigga, you beat ah, it." It was this. That was Wayne is the king of mixtapes. That was probably one of the best times. Of me like understanding and feeling rap, and then even if you listen to Wayne's verse on Certified Lover Boy, I can't remember the name of that song. Look for it. Fuck it, you got a phone. He still sound like like he's running circles around most of these niggas. It's just that he's a goat, so you don't you don't even count it when he does it, which is which sucks. But I mean, I put him up there with how I put Kanye, Jay, Nas. To me, Wayne is in that group now, cause. If you get bad, 
if you get like trash verses, it's whatever. Like you the go, you did whatever you did, but you're putting out pure fire. Like you keep your rapping fast. Your your metaphors are still there. You sound great. And this is from me who did not like Wayne in the beginning. I really disliked this nigga. And then he got amazing. But I say all that to say I used to do some weird shit with my homies. Uh, another story I'll never forget. One time me and Trey went in his crib. His whole family, I, maybe they was at work, school, whatever they was doing. I had came from Brooklyn. I mean, I had came from Manhattan because I went to school in Manhattan. I would come to my mother's house in Brooklyn. And we, he was just chilling in the house after school. So we put on, randomly put on Get Rich or Die Trying album. And we listened to In the Club. Nigga, we had the remotes and we was in the mirror rapping the lyrics, going back and forth, passing the remote back and forth. Maybe maybe for a good minute and a half, his older brother was standing in the hallway looking at us at the fool. Good thing we didn't have the iPhones and shit because he would have recorded that and put us on put us on YouTube or some shit. You I had to look like the biggest fucking fool in the world. We had no shoes on, all types of shit. And then once the song finished, we looked up. He was laughing. <laughs> And then you know what you know once the laughter stops because you just realize some shit happened? He was like, yo, y'all niggas are losers. Y'all really losers. And I felt bad because he was older and like kind of cool. I was like, damn, this nigga think we corny because we, we fucking like music, you asshole. But I always think about that shit, how this nigga watched us for three minutes. First of all, you watched us for mad long and didn't say nothing. Like you stood there, so you must have been vibing too because in the club was that shit. Man, fuck it. I might as well go down memory lane a little bit more. So if you made it to this part of the podcast, welcome down memory lane. I used to go to Brooklyn after school a lot on the weekends. A lot of the shit that happened to me in my life happened in Brooklyn. I remember I remember the night I got arrested. Fuck it. Let's talk about it. One night I was re- I was heavy into graffiti. So I had my you know, I had my little black book with me. I had my markers. I had all my shit on me. And, you know, we go to the park. We was playing basketball, then it got dark. So then I go to the wall. I start tagging the wall. And as soon as I finish, I see a cop. And the cop is looking at me. And he waits till I'm done. And he goes, nice, nice. Come here real quick. I took off. All 300 damn near pounds of me took off. I hopped the fence and kept running. Mind you, I knew for a fact that there was a a PAL, like, award ceremony, Police Athletic League. So that means there was police officers in the park down the block. This man called maybe 10 of them. So when I go up the block, I see them coming from different ways, and they split up to catch me on that side of the, on the, on the other end of the block. So... I'm the slowest one of the group. Everybody is gone except for me. So the cops catch me and I see them yell, stop right there. I ran back to throw my shit in the garbage because, you know, I didn't want to get caught. I act like I had a fucking gun or something. I didn't want to get caught with graffiti paraphernalia. So when when they come and say, what were you doing? I was like, what do you mean? Nothing. I was just... Bullshit. They knew, I, I had on fucking true religions, Timberland boots, and a yellow collared shirt. 
they knew exactly who I was. I should have took that shirt off and been shirtless. But, you know, it was just like, that was, you know how scary that was? There was maybe five cops. You know how terrified I was? I'll tell you, I, I cried, nigga. Yeah, I cried. I didn't know what the fuck was going to happen. Then, so, you know, I go to the precinct. I'm like, it is, it is, it is, what, it, it is what it is. I'm going to have to experience something. You know, I was 17 at the time, so I had to experience something once at least. So I know I'm not doing this shit again. So I get to the fucking precinct, and it's dark as fuck inside that little cell. Is a concrete bench slash bed, and I'm by myself for at least the first two hours. It felt like longer, but it had to be like an hour to two or two hours. So the the cop coming comes and gets me and puts me on the phone with my mom. You know, my mom's telling me what to do. I, I, I saying, you know, I gave the cop quarters so he you can call me when you get to the bookings, whatever. The Chinese cop hands me a pack of chicken wings from the Chinese restaurant and five dollars and quarters. First of all, you know how you know how many fucking quarters five dollars and quarters is jingling all in my fucking pocket so everybody could hear I got change. I only needed to talk to you like twice. Five dollars and quarters. So I'm eating my chicken wings. You know, I finish. I'm like, I you know, it's whatever. I might get out of here. I don't know. You know. So I take a nap, and then I wake up. Because they calling my name to go do the fingerprints and all that. So after the fingerprints, I'm like, do I go home? They're like, no, you go back to the cell. So I go in the cell. I'm chilling in there. Some six-foot nigga comes to the cell, and he's pissed. And I'm like, out of all the fucking places to put this nigga, you're going to put him with me. I'm soft and, and fucking chubby, nigga, with me. And I got a pocket full of quarters and chicken grease on my mouth. Whatever. So this nigga gets in. He's like, what you in here for? I'm like, what the fuck? What movie are we in? Oh, nothing. Graffiti. I ran. All right, whatever. He go, nah, they say I shot somebody. No, nigga, I ain't even had a gun on me. That was my man's. I was like, yo, I wasn't even sitting on this bench, bro. You need to lay down. You can, ha- you can lay down, my nigga. I wasn't even on this bench. So this nigga's pissed the whole night. And I'm like. If he wants to, he was like six foot, 280. He could have laid me out right there. But he was already probably thinking about his situation. So they rile us all up, and they handcuff us all together. And now it's time to get in the paddy wagon, handcuffed to another nigga, to go to bookings. I'm 17, y'all. This shit looked like a movie to me. I'm handcuffed to an old-ass man. And when I tell you we was handcuffed for a minute, maybe at least an hour and a half, I was handcuffed to a grown ass man with a golf hat on. I had he had to pee. And they didn't even like unhook us. Like I had to hold my hand with my wrist away from his 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 piece. And you can't shake. Like once you finish, you know niggas do that little bounce. You can't do that because you you're gonna get piss on me, my nigga. So you can't do that. And his breath stinking, this nigga's talking to me and shit. Yo, I was just so it was really ridiculous. But it was one of those things you got to go through. So after they handcuff us, it's like now I guess it's where you, if anyone's ever been to book, this is where you switch, you know, hold and sell to hold and sell to hold and sell, whatever, to while they call your name. This is where they gave the cheese sandwiches, all that shit out. And people asking for quarters, all types of shit. I, mind you, I still had a fucking pocket full of $5 quarters because I didn't, I didn't call my mother. I maybe I used one quarter. I didn't know numbers by heart. I had them written in the fucking black book that I threw out. So 
I'm over here just like, you know, I got true religions on. I don't look too bummy. Maybe, you know, I don't want nobody to try me in here. I don't even think my hands were really tested back then. So it could have went either way. So then some loud mouth nigga pull up. He's over here cursing out the fucking, the correctional officers. And he must have said, he said something. I, I think he corrected the correctional officer when they said his name. And he said, all right, your, your paper going to the back of the list. I didn't even know that's something you could do. Just put my name at the back of the list. I was in there for 26 hours. From the, I literally got, we went to, went to the precinct at maybe 11 o'clock at night and didn't leave until maybe 1 a.m. the next night. Ridiculous. They're all there. I don't even remember like what the fuck we did. I just remember trying to take naps throughout the day. Then niggas come in there and just be like, yo, what you did, what you did. Some over here trying to sound real tough. You nigga, I was writing on the wall, graffiti. Like, Nigga, I'm I'm scared. Nigga, don't ask me what I did, nigga, because I don't want to say the wrong thing. They asked some young. I guess I guess they were trying to gauge what the judge would say to you because I guess a few of them have been there already. One young kid, I'll never forget this young kid. They asked him what he was here for because his head was down. He looked tight. What were you here for? They found me with they, you know they caught me with a gun. What kind of gun? This thing had a desert eagle on him. You know how big a desert eagle is. He had a fucking like a a a spy gun, like a spy villain gun, not even a regular person's gun. That's a spy villain gun. Why Why have that big of a gun? What were you going to do? Whose head were you trying to blow off, my nigga? And he had to be like 16, 15. But apparently he had a whole rap sheet before this. He said that they, they said he was running with the gun, the gun fell because he just shot somebody on whatever block. I was like, what? Were you with the six foot nigga? Is that his gun? It might have been his gun. It's more fitting than this little nigga. But, so, you know, they just going around. They laughing and shit. I was like, oh, you know, say that ain't as bad. But as soon as they called my name, man, I tightened up, jumped up. I didn't give a fuck. Here, y'all got had these questions. I should have threw the quarters back into the room. But I'll never forget just that, the smell. Like, literally, there's no pillow. So if you're taking a nap, you laying on the floor using the cheese sandwich as your fucking pillow. So I advise none of y'all to get in trouble because I, I doubt everywhere is the same, but I don't ever want, I've never wanted to go through that again. That was over 10 years ago. And I'm an adult now. So a lot of my decision making are based off TV and what I went through for those t- 26 hours. So that after that night, we went, you know, you go to get your district attorney and all that, whatever, you know, the court appointed person to speak for you. She was like, you're probably going to get community service. And I was like, I'll take it. But right next to me was that little nigga with the Desert Eagle. I don't. He must have not have liked what the fuck she said, cause he punched the glass and said, "F you, bitch. F all y'all. Y'all can't do nothing for me." All right, bro. Enjoy juvenile hall, cause that's where you're going. Cause you look like you know what you did was completely wrong, and you did it. So get me the fuck out of here. Can I go? So I ended up getting, I forgot how many, I guess 50 hours of community service when they were all had to be done, you know, in one week, I believe. So I, I, I can't remember exactly, but 50 hours, but 
I didn't necessarily complete the 50 hours. I guess the people who I did the 50 hours for, I did it for like the city parks. They didn't want to keep me there for the whole day because I guess I would slow them down. So the first day, I was basically a garbage man. They literally had me on the side of the road with a shovel digging up garbage, like dirt, from out of the trees and putting it in a bag. Then I would I, I wasn't even allowed in the truck. I had to hold on to the side like a real garbage man. It, it wasn't bad. It was it was type of fun. So the next day, I had to go pick up garbage on the side of the road with the vest on and all that, looking crazy. Whatever. The third day, I had to go to these apartments. I did that for the last, for two days, the third and the fourth day. Clean out these apartments and throw, you know, they, were, they just had a bunch of garbage and shit. They were just, we were just throwing out the garbage from these apartments. I guess they were like city, you know, appointed apartments to people who needed whatever. And we just had to clean out the garbage out of these apartments. The last day, I went back to those same apartments. There's maybe 10 buildings. I had to sweep them from ha- the hallways from top to bottom. I did. I finished it early because, you know, I bullshit sweeping. I'm not going to fucking, I don't care. I ain't never coming back here. So I swept and then he goes, yo, I'm not going to have you just chilling around with me. You could stay in the basement for the next hour and a half. So I'm chilling in the basement. There's no, there's no bathroom. I had to piss in a hole. I didn't have my phone on me. So I go to, so the hour and a half had passed. So I go to see where the man went. I look down. There's a Gucci wallet with $300 in it. As an adult, I feel really bad for taking that money because who knows what that $300 meant to whoever, whoever lost it. But at 17 years old, it was the fucking jackpot. It was like I got paid to do community service. Literally. I didn't, I wasn't even working at the time. So it was like, oh, well, don't mind if I fucking do. Put that money in my sock and I walked on home. The next day I went and I bought some, I forgot what shoes I bought. I think I bought the the playoff eights with that money. Either way, I was fucking excited. But a lot of the things that happened to me in Brooklyn are part of the reason I am who I am and part of the reason I'm not someone else. Because there's a lot of shit I saw, heard, was a part of that had I been around all the time, would be a lot different. And that concludes this episode. This is episode six, I believe. Episode six. And I really am going to try and pump these out a little bit more often. It's it's just a lot of shit going on. It's, this podcast is called What the Fuck Are You Talking About? Because I want to have something to talk about. I don't want to, I'm not necessarily building this to be the biggest podcast in the world. I do this as a form of meditation. I do this as a form of comedic relief for whoever needs it. Maybe never, maybe even comedic relief for myself when I need it. But the shit is fun. And when I'm alone, I don't like to just sit and have the TV on. Sometimes I just want to, like I just sat here for almost an hour and talked. And I'm getting something out of it. And now other people, whoever listens, all 15 of y'all niggas, get something out of it. Show your friends, love your friends, call your grandmother, call your grandfather, show them the podcast, tell them I love them, tell them you love them, and I'll holler.